Okay, here we are on May 14, 2015, talking about um, the book for this month was The Quiet Invasion, gee, I almost lost it, uh, by Sarah Zettel. And uh, it was a 15-hour book, since somebody just mentioned a 15-hour book, this one was. And um, so we will go around and see what people thought in general, and then we'll talk about the details. Well... I liked the book. I thought it um, it was the kind of book that I had not read before. So it had differences. A different the world, the live cities was my favorite thing. And I will quit for now and talk in a minute. Well, I'll admit I could not get into the book and I didn't end up finishing it. I read about four hours and I, it was just, it just seemed like work to me, but it wasn't necessarily bad. I, I just couldn't get into it. So I'm anxious to hear what you all have to say about it and hopefully you'll spoil it at great length for me and I'll kind of know what happens then later in the book. I found the parts relating to the, uh, uh, you know, to the struggles between the, uh, the United Nations and those people who wanted to escape from Earth and that, what was it, Bradbury? And all that stuff, I thought that a little boring, a little slow, but I did enjoy very much the alien uh, presentation, the way they, they lived, their, the description of their cities and you know how the cities had their own life and everything. I thought that was very good. And, of course, they had their differences also, so that part I, I really enjoyed but as I say, I found the other part a little bit slow and boring. I'm not sure whether it was just um, the state, of, the mood I was in, or what. But I didn't. Um, even though I thought, in lots of ways, it was a pretty good book, it felt kind of disjointed to me, and it was partly because of all the different parts, all the different threads that were sort of going on in parallel with one another. Um, I agree with other people that. Yeah, the stuff about the aliens was fabulous. I loved it. But the rest of it was just a little bit, I don't know. I, I, I just kind of, it didn't, it just didn't really quite settle with me for some reason. Hello, folks. I just got in here and I, of course, missed the first part of this, but... In some ways, I loved the book. The aliens were fabulous. The politicking almost turned me off. I came back after giving up there, after about reading about a fourth of the book, because I wanted to know what happened with the aliens and all that stuff. So I could have done without the politicking. I was losing track of who was on whose side. And I understood the aliens better than I understood the, the earthlings. <laughs> So, but yeah, the stuff of the aliens was just absolutely fabulous. And the intelligent cities that actually live in in, uh, balance with the residents of the cities. I thought it was wonderful. Anyway, I don't know what everybody else thought, so I'll shut up. But that was my opinion of it. Um, I thought the book had some wonderful elements. I think that... Everyone's. Re- I agree with Deb and all of you who had a, Mary. Um, those of you who had trouble with the first quarter of the book, but I think ultimately the authors. What we found distasteful was her main idea, which is that politics dominates our lives. It dominates what the everyday person thinks of as right and wrong and that history is made by very few people who often are making um, decisions based on emotions and based on, um, you know, not what's best for everyone. And, And so in a way it's quite, it was bleak because there were all these people with great talent and loyalty and love, but they ultimately were their destiny was decided by politics um i i too love the aliens i thought the author 
I thought the author needed some help. I think she um, left out, sometimes she would build up to a point and then drop it and not tell us how it was resolved. And when she picked up the thread later, the situation was just resolved. But notice that two of the people, um, well, one, especially the woman who caused the most uh, mayhem, who was never punished and, and never seemed to be caught, um, the, the one who, the chemist who killed the two men and who, um, I, I don't I, you know, who made up that false alien stuff. It, it, it wasn't about justice. It was about politics, and not only in the among the humans, but among the aliens, too. Um, the fact that you could just buy someone's votes and um, what they called promises was just another word for money. But a lot of times... It boiled down to money instead of right and wrong. I thought the ending where that one alien who befriended, what's her name, whose <laughs> name I can't remember, <laughs> uh, befriended the human, and they got along incredibly well because I think that their motives were in the right place. But the ending was, was quite touching to me, how the alien... Uh, gave up her life and became a slave just so that Earth would not be destroyed. That really, really hit it with me. I said, that's it, folks. Sacrifice and selflessness is where it is if, if society is going to keep going and survive. Well, I love the aliens. I do. And I love the cities, like I said. Um Whoever said it was disjointed, I agree with you because, and um, Lissy, you're right too that it, it kind of went from one to the other, and nothing. I mean, it got resolved, but we don't know how. And um, I love the names Tisha and Zeth, and you know, for the aliens, and I like what they look like. I mean, that was just a great, great part of the book and their cities how interactive they were with their cities and their cities were with them and um, the thing I liked too was that that guy Michael he was a real honest guy and he stood up to his boss he stood up to her in the midst of you know everybody cheering and everything he says i'm not doing this my wife and my children there i i are going to earth and that was the hardest thing for him to do i felt there was like you said in the end mary there was sacrifice from the aliens but there was a lot of of uh sacrifice on the humans part too and helen almost had to die to realize what the heck she was doing but she was a very powerful person who didn't realize what she was doing, as do all leaders. Um, I would love to live in a live city, though. That would be so cool. I don't know. I was kind of rooting for Venera to go um, to separate from Earth. I mean, um, uh, Earth is like Europe and its colonies. I mean, Earth can't dominate, you know, the other planets indefinitely. It just isn't right. And besides, one of my favorite Heinlein books was A Moon is a Harsh Mistress. And I wasn't a big, I wasn't a big fan of Heinlein, but I liked that book. And I think he had the right idea. Um, you can't dominate, especially a, a planet millions of miles away, it's just not realistic to think they can rule over them indefinitely. And I was kind of hoping Venera was going was gonna to go it alone and set an example for how you know, Earth could just not run the rest of the solar system. But uh, she caved in the end. But anyway, uh, I it was disjointed. I mean, nobody's mentioned specific examples yet. But um, first of all, there was the exploration of that fake discovery, the fake alien base, which, you know, he noticed he got that uh, hatch open in three seconds. That was, I even mentioned at the time we were reading it, that that was pretty, that was too easy. But then they mentioned, the next time we hear about the base, we hear about some laser 
We never saw them discover a laser. We never saw that at all. And I always felt gypped because I was hoping for a little exploration. You know, uh, we finally did get some exploration, but it was very uh, cursory. Then another example at near the end when um, that woman, Grace Myers, murdered those two guys and Michael, who, yes, he was very honest and so on, but he... Um, doesn't know he, he finds out who murdered her but we never find out anything about how you know anything about how he did that we just know that he found out somewhere uh and he found out you know he has these files that um he never touched i mean you think that if somebody got murdered for the first time in the in venera which just seems unrealistic with ten thousand people but leave that aside You'd think he'd have looked at those right away if there was information on them that might lead to the, you know, finding out who the murderer was. So he was honest, but he was kind of ineffectual and not very, you know, and even when he did find out, we don't see any of that. It just, boom, he finds out, and we hear about it later. So, yeah, it was disjointed. She covered, she just skipped over stuff, you know, that would have filled out the book and, I guess, made it even longer, but she could have trimmed out some of the other stuff earlier on, the political stuff. We were getting pretty... We were losing it there for the first couple of hours, but then, you know, things did pick up a bit later. <laughs> and it's about justice, you know, that Dassoon, that ambassador who caused, you know, her Tashaw City to die, you know, with stranding hundreds of thousands. How many people were in that? A million, I forget. He has not been caught. He's going to get away with it, apparently. I mean, he's not going to get what he wants. He's not going to, you know, he, he's not going to get humanity destroyed. But he's going to get away with, apparently, he was never caught. You know, inflicting you know murder on that city, which is what it boils down to. Um, there was a different kind of violence in this book that took me completely by surprise, because this wasn't a book where there was a lot of shooting and and killing, but but I actually began to suffer with the cities, and you know how sometimes when there's a violent scene, I'll ask Evan to listen to it without me and then pick up the story after the the violence is over well that's how I became when they described the agony that the cities um, endured um, I, I just couldn't hardly bear to read it and then when Tasha was was embracing her city's heart and listening to the heart fail chamber by chamber and you know I was I was crying and I I, I just thought it was very moving and so she was the author was very um, uh, oh I, she was imaginative but she was also quite cynical it was interesting when she, they pointed out that Helen didn't like Earth but it was okay to send Grace to Earth for justice yeah they you should know. have their own courts by now right Helen didn't want to dirty her hands she didn't <laughs> even care that much about the murdered Not young really. men no. she always said that she cared so much for for the citizens who were born on Venus but those boys were the young men who helped Grace that was that was terrible I think also some of the background needed to be filled in like he kept seeing mention of the Bradbury deal and I suspect, I could be wrong here, but it looked to me like the Bradbury thing was an attempt for people to get away from Earth and and strike out on their own. And I agree with Evan, yes, you're right. Venera should have been independent long ago. Um, I think that it makes sense. If you're going to live in a different place, get away from the original planet and be who you are and be what the place you're living in molds you into. And uh, the fact that Veneer was still dependent on Earth, which is really stupid, <laughs> is, uh, is, is certainly a, a very telling uh, part of the book, and I was really hoping they would end up independent from Earth. Well, this is Sherry again. I kind of felt like at the beginning it was kind of an outline rather than a story and each chapter had a new set of characters that would you know advance the plot a bit the thing i found confusing was they discover something on venus that looks like an alien artifact and then the chapters on the aliens are talking about the aliens wanting to find a new world which 
I was just guessing that that happened in the past and the new world ended up being Venus and the artifact was the aliens. And But you didn't really know that and you couldn't tell from the story. And maybe I didn't wait long enough for everything to come together. But it did seem disjointed to me, too, although she certainly was very creative and imaginative when it came to the aliens. I like the fact that she didn't just describe the aliens. She just referred to their muzzles and different parts of them and let us create the aliens in our own minds rather than just going through a description of them. I like that approach. First of all, if I get knocked out of here, we're having a a thunderstorm. Second, the thing I I didn't like, too, another, you guys were talking about how things didn't get resolved or whatever. We don't know. You remember it it was kind of toward the end when um, that engineer had told... um, I think it was V that basically um, the aliens wanted to put a virus into Earth. And Disyun caught him, and I thought they killed him, but apparently they didn't. Because when Tisha came up, he was alive, but she saw something had happened to him. But they, she didn't go into that. It's like, what happened to him? I mean, is is he going to die? Did he die? Yeah, that's another kind of thing that kind of actually it's just a, a, another tangent on the same theme, though. She just drops her characters when they're, you know, when they've done whatever it is, you know. Uh, I, I mean, they, they don't have real, they're like, you know, um, you know, they're part of the story, but they're not really their own people. They're kind of like set pieces a little bit sometimes. Um that's what happened to Grace Myers, of course. We saw her. She murdered those people, but we never see anything about what happened after that. She was. Michael found out who she was, and that was that. There was no, you know. And, um, yeah, we don't know what happened to her. And, and that's something. It, that reminds me of something Lissy mentioned. You remember how they described that cancer that Tassoon inflicted on the city? I want to say Kiev, but that's not how it's pronounced. Um, I know. Um, but. Part of that was in the inhabitants of the city. So it was like when it combines, it Three. creates this plague, like two parts of it or Three. one part. And But they're carrying that to Venus with them. So they've got the parts of this plague that the city died from. They've got all this in their DNA, and they're carrying it to Venus with them. Uh, that was a, that was a, a, a big problem. Um, if you pay attention to it, it's, it's um, you know, that, uh, they're, uh, I mean, if they don't break out in a plague on Venus, it'll be pretty surprising. And then for Jasoon to, for it to be all right for him to murder that wonderful engineer just because he spoke up and he wasn't one of the um, ambassadors or whatever, you know, that doesn't seem like the punishment fits the crime they never ever either they were talking about insanity but if anyone was insane it was disowned but they they never diagnosed him as such yeah and the epilogue was kind of uh, i mean they only focused on su yun or whatever her name was and, and and how she ultimately it was her idea to make the fake but um, none of the other characters, we didn't see any of them. Um, so in some ways the book was too long, and in other ways it was uh, too short. I agree with you there about the book. In some ways it was too long, and in some ways it was too short. I didn't find there was enough backstory. I wanted to hear a little bit more about how the Earth was arranged. You heard like hundreds of republics. They mentioned the UN. They mentioned in the mid 21st century, the UN took over, but you never really got a sense. So, were we in the 22nd century or the 23rd? I mean, we have a a base that's floating in the atmosphere of Venus, so they must have had technology, but they used fused quartz, they said, or engineered quartz. I would have thought for the glass they would have used nano diamond. And I would have liked to know a little bit more about the aliens. Does anybody know, and I don't remember, I, I always read about the author. But does anybody know if this was her first novel by chance? I hope it was. Actually, I don't think it was, because I've got three other books of hers that I grabbed off of Bard, and I'm not sure which one of those was the first one, but but the one that we read was definitely not her first. It might have been one of the latest ones. 
The other question I have, you know, with regard to Benetta being independent on its own, how would it be able to survive? Because apparently it had to depend on, on Earth for a lot of its resources, uh, and if whatever resources they might be able to get from Venus, they would have to trade to get the things that Earth had. So I don't know if it could have made it on its own. Anyway, I think that was a dilemma when uh, when they decided to to become to break away from the from Earth, and that they, they were hoping to rely on the aliens for help because otherwise they probably wouldn't have been able to make it. Well, I mean, they had those scarabs. They, they uh, I mean, if there are 10,000 people there, if they wanted to develop mining equipment or if they wanted to mine the near-Earth asteroids or something, they probably could have been able to put together some, you know, in 40 years, you know, with just how many thousands of them were up there, if they had a mine to develop their own resource base, the... I mean, it seems you know reasonable that they could have done that or made a good start towards doing that uh, by then, if they had had a mind to. Well, I think Helen was short-sighted in believing that somebody out there should fund a colony whose only export was research. So that was very short-sighted of her not to address the colony's physical needs and their ability to to meet their physical needs. You know, that's a really good point, and I didn't even think about it. But, yeah, I was going to mention that it had been, it was mostly, it was specifically scientific in nature, and so there really wasn't any effort to do much else. But um, she paid so much attention to having plenty of space for everybody to live and all that, and I went into a lot about that. But then she didn't think about things like, oh, yeah, well, if we could do something that the earth had to have, then we might have a bargaining tool. Another thing to point out is that the alien's environment was a lot like Venus. That's why they wanted it as their second home, or the new home. So the aliens thought that the human's living environment was hostile because it was so cold. So that gives, make, makes me question whether... The, if the aliens could have really helped the humans in some way, they might have had the technology, but because they didn't live in the type of environment that the humans did because it was so foreign to them, then that may not have worked out in the end. So um, I don't know. I was just thinking about that the other day too. There's so many aspects of this book that, that it touches on. It just goes through your head, and you just it, ponder it. I mean, I thought of it for days. <laughs> There were just so many things, environmental, political, colonial, uh, first contact stuff. I mean, it just, it's amazing. I think, I think the thing, as we've been sitting here talking, one of the things that I realized is just how much it really bothered me um, that it was so cynical politically. And, you know, it's like, geez, I, I'm, Maybe I'm getting too old and I don't like to read about unpleasant things, but it's like I really could do without living through a book where everybody is in such um, at, at the mercy of politics. I mean, maybe that's too much like it really is, and that's the reason it bothers me so much. Oh, a couple of points. <clears throat> I This is something we need to Google, but my guess was that the author was an older person. There were just a lot of things that, that elements in the book that made me think that she was an older older writer. Um, another thing is uh, about the politics. Even so, was the sad thing that one individual, see, or let's say three individuals, seemed to dominate the politics of Venus, of the aliens, of the dissonance and of earth and it seemed like that that two or three people had way too much power that was just horrifying <laughs> well if you i mean if for hard science fiction people if you want to get picky and i i i can leave this aside but i'll just mention that um i'm wondering if anybody if these if any life form could live actually I mean, these these you know, shows these aliens close to or on the surface of Venus, and 
Venus is hotter than a self-cleaning oven. Um, it's like 800 degrees with sulfuric acid in the atmosphere and 90 atmospheres. The pressure shouldn't be an issue. I mean, we have ocean-going life. But the temperature, um, I just have to wonder about that. I mean, I can see them li- flying around in the upper atmosphere and so on. But uh, but it's just a nit. But anyway, it's just something that I you know, wondered about. Yeah, I thought of that also. Um, that was a bit fishy to me. It kind of shows her, uh, the author's um, lack of scientific research, which kind of shows up throughout the book. And I read the Bard version, and it refers to her as a young, new author, so I suspect she's probably somewhere in her late 20s, early 30s. At least she was when the book came out. You know, I think that Helen thought that the aliens could help them because they saved um, <clears throat> those humans' lives. I think that's the only thing she was thinking. I don't think she thought... It's funny, everybody called her Grandma Helen, but to me, um, she wasn't that good as a leader. I thought V would have been an excellent leader. Things would have gone in an interesting direction. Cause she was more of a scientist, um, kind of like uh, the other, the alien lady that she befriended. And um, this is one book that I have to admit I kind of imagined in my own thoughts a better ending for the book. Um, sometimes I do that. I did that with Embassy Town a few years ago when I read it and got so excited over it. Now, that was another book where you never knew what the aliens looked like. Um, you just sort of... And maybe they were kind of indescribable, but anyway, that's another book. Um, but the thing is that that sometimes you want a better ending, and so you start making things up just to finish it for your own satisfaction. And that's kind of what I did with this book. I just I I wanted everybody to get along, and I wanted Earth to be less cynical, and I wanted Venus to be independent, and and so. I kind of finished the book in, in my own way. I don't know if anybody else does that, but it's one of my tendencies, I guess. Oh, I did that with Tisha. I basically made an ending where she actually didn't have to give up her life, and um, they all got along, and yes, oh my gosh, I had to do that for her because I didn't like the way that ended. Yeah, speaking of cynical, I mean... And even the author recognized it, where, you know, it was basically Zether, or whatever the heck her name was, was her vote was for sale. I mean, you, you could promise me your life, and I'll do what you want, instead of what I already promised the other guy I would do. It doesn't matter which one's right. You just, you make a better promise, I'll do it. That's basically what it amounted to. What I was wondering is, how is it that the Earth people weren't aware of these aliens on Venus until they decided to show themselves. How, how do they manage to keep themselves hidden from them? Well, the space portal, they mentioned that early on. Um, they said it looked like a natural feature of the desert, or the, or the, of the um, surface, a, a tick, they called it, which is a rock formation of some kind, and I can't remember what they said about it, but it didn't look like an artificial structure. And they have a lot of satellite footage to look at, and so they didn't take it, uh, pay any mind to it, apparently. And the aliens stayed hidden on purpose. And they did stay hidden on purpose, as they mentioned a few times. They they monitored, you know, they kept their flights, you know, beyond, you know, out and away from the where the humans could observe them. And of course, you know, we know at the end of the book, we know that that uh, Chinese lady uh, did notice uh, the satellite photo and kept it secret, but most people didn't notice it, and those who did kept it quiet. Um, so that's how they managed to be concealed for so long. It was sad that her son betrayed her when he found out that she'd been monitoring his mail and his she had his whole life bugged. You know, that was yep. sad. Yep. So you guys were talking about, and, and I don't if some of you said that there were other books that had live cities. Yeah, one was Harry Harrison's 
West of Eden series, which is a three-part series. You don't have to read all three parts, but some of us have already read that. And there are other books, but I can't remember now what. But every time I run into a, a live city, it's alive in a different way. For example, I, th- I think that our, our book for this month had, for the first time, organic cities living in harmony with the organic residents of the cities so that each knew the other's intents and thoughts, sort of. And uh, yet the ones in, in West of Eden and all those books, they were living cities, but they were not totally aware of the occupants of the cities. So there's a whole different... You also have all those books about uh, cities made of AI, and uh, even though they're aware of occupants, they are in a different way aware of them. So um, there's just different types of of cities that are alive in different ways throughout the science fiction genre. Well, I have to say, Lissy, I was... <laughs> I read that part about um, Tisha City, and I was just... I cried, too, especially when she was dying, and... Oh, that was the saddest thing. Yeah, but he got away with it. Well, the thing is, too, they didn't even say what he did. They didn't say how he... She didn't say how he did it. And he got away with that. And, like you said, Grace got away with that the murder of those two guys by poisoning their beers. I mean, what the heck? This author was... I mean, the, I like you guys, I think my favorite part of all was the aliens. And I know I'm going back to this. I'm sorry, but I've never seen... The Live Cities was just so awesome to me. It's something I won't forget because... I don't know if you guys do this, but, you know, with all these universes, I imagine living in this in this universe with these live cities. It's so cool because they actually have hearts and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, I love all that stuff, too. Um, that's why I keep coming back to different books, just because the universes are so much fun. And uh, it it's just, it's amazing. Yeah, you're right, those that city dying, so and she went into such detail about it. It was just, I kept thinking, what are we doing to our planet? You know, I think that had to be one of her messages when she wrote that part of the book. But it was, if the rest of the book had had the kind of writing that that section did, it would have been far better. But unfortunately, I think one of the advantages of of reading a book and discussing it like this is you find all the problems and what seems to be going on with a lot of science fiction is people just don't do enough research you know they can write a story all right and they can get the basics of the science all right but some of it it just doesn't add up and unfortunately this book qualifies as one that didn't quite add up scientifically or well or I wouldn't say culturally but but the portraits of people and events didn't work just because it was released too soon. It was published too soon. She wasn't really finished with it. Maybe she was under a deadline or something, but there was just so much stuff left out. And um, I think that, uh, you know, that's, that's something. If you're going to write a book, try to fill up all the cobwebs and all the, Get rid of the cobwebs and fill up the, the holes and the blank spaces. If, make sure it's as tight as you can make it. You know, Mary, I think you uh, hit on something there. I think there was a sort of unfinished quality to it. It's just like all the loose ends that we've talked about over. I mean, they're just, they're all over the place. And it's like nothing ever really, nothing ever really gets resolved. And that had to have been driving her crazy, surely, as a writer. Although, who knows, maybe that's, maybe she did that to give more of a sense of unease to the book or something. I don't know. I thought one of the most exciting scenes was the rescue um, when the when the two vehicles um, collided or and crashed, uh, the two scarabs or whatever they're called. Yeah. Um, I I we we I did find that to be extremely exciting, and you know that was the most page turning part of the book. Another thing, I have to give the author a little bit of credit for the fact that as beautiful and um, wonderful and 
you know, fascinating as the aliens were, she didn't make them perfect, like the humans are dumb and stupid and the aliens have got it all figured out. Um, the aliens had their problems, too. The fact that when a city died, all those people had to have some kind of currency to continue to survive. They had to sell themselves into um, it, it, to be indentured for a certain number of years or, or sell their skills. Uh, so life wasn't perfect. It was just, it was fascinating and wonderful, but um, the society had its yeah. difficulties. But uh, speaking of, um, I noticed people, some people marry in a, a couple, I, I think um, maybe one or uh, other person mentioned uh, the, what the when we did the Kraken project last time, the, some of the computer stuff was a little out of whack. Um, did you notice that they're still using uh, the same computer interfaces? And this is like the second half of the 21st century at the earliest. And they're not talking, well, they talk to their doors, and Helen talked to her desk, I think, but they're all using iPads. Actually, they just look like iPads, pretty much. They're, oh, typing just, their fingers off. They're typing off. their fingers off, <laughs> yes. That was funny. Yes, uh, that was really an anachronism, it seemed. I thought that was weird, too. I would have thought they would have a neural implant or something. I do agree that the aliens were represented in an interesting way in as much as they were not perfect either, though I never really quite understood their planet or how you build a gateway without ever having gone to the planet to put the gateway up so that you could then go through the gateway and go back to your own planet. You kind of had to let some of that go, and I didn't really get, like I said, the situation on Earth of the time because they kind of hint about it and sort of suggest it, you know, that there are lots of republics, but they don't really get into it. And that, I thought, was a little weird. Um, I was trying to think of the other book it was reminding me of, and I'm just not getting it, except maybe it was John Varley's Steel Beach, or maybe I was just thinking of that book because Mary said she likes rereading books because of the universe they are in, and Steel Beach by John Varley was a book that I had kind of liked, the universe it was in, because you could change your body just like you would, just like we dye our hair. Yeah, but that was, uh, the, the, the aliens in that one really did take over, um, as I recall. Um, but they were leaving the humans alone as long as they didn't get too uppity, as I as I recall it. Uh, I did that book a few years ago for Bookshare, and uh, the aliens were out there, and I think they were actually in the solar system. Uh, so if you didn't do, you know, if you didn't get too, you know, out of your place, you were uh, they they left humans alone. Or if I'm recalling correctly, I think that's what uh, the situation was in that book. To keep the aliens off the Earth, the people who were living on the moon, there were 150 million people living on the moon, which blew me away. The whole moon must have been jammed. They did something to mess up the Earth's atmosphere. Earth had been recovering from nuclear war or something, and they did something to the atmosphere so it wouldn't recover because then the aliens wouldn't come and land on it. They wanted Earth, and so the people on the moon made sure they didn't get it. I just thought his universe was interesting. I don't always think that with science fiction, but I liked that universe. And I like Ben Bova's Grand Tour series. That Those universes are interesting, or that universe is interesting. And in that, um, Evan, you'll remember the, they had the asteroid war, and they had the wars where the people were, uh, planets and things were trying to um, become independent. Now go, sweetie. Oh, sorry. Should we talk about our next book yet? 946. Yeah, uh, Melissa's uh, proofreading a book for Bookshare. Well, this isn't a book for next month, but she wanted me to mention. She's doing a Bookshare book, a collection of short stories, 17 short stories, called Carbide Tipped Pens, edited by Ben Bova and Eric Choi. It's a hard science fiction stories. Some of the people, if you read analog much, you'll recognize Carl Frederick and Howard B. Hendricks and Doug Beeson and um, ben Bova himself is in it, and so we wanted to mention we're doing that. Uh, I just scanned it and finished scanning it. It's 400 pages, so it'll keep you busy if you want some hard SF. Uh, it looks like it's going to be more imaginative. 
And also, um, one of my friends is scanning another <laughs> uh, book by Walter Koenig, um, written in the 90s, so you can be watching for that, too, if you're interested. Yeah, we'll post about them on the list. Mary's actually doing better than I am. I should have posted about the book I put up, but she beat me to it. So, Mary, go Mary. And tell about the book you're doing. Oh, I'm doing a book. I can't. It's called The Three-Body Problem. It's written by a Chinese fellow. Uh, this is the first science fiction I've ever seen. But it's about an alien invasion. Um, and the plot kind of sounds a little bit familiar, but not exactly. And part of their strategy is to develop a video game that and uh, that subverts people or persuades them to be sympathetic toward the aliens or something like that, but it's pretty secretive. Uh, but it's written um, by a fellow who actually was born in China. I think he still lives there. I'm not sure. But uh, it's a trilogy. It's the first book of a trilogy, and I don't know if I'm going to like it. If I don't, I'm not going to read the. I may not be able to read the second and third books. But um, so we'll. I'll, I'll mention that when. Uh, uh, when it gets up on Bookshare, and this we have to. This Chinese author also has a short story in the book that I'm going to be proofreading. Oh yeah, he does. So you can get an idea, and it's actually an excerpt from the Three Body Problem, as I I noticed. So anyway, yeah, we have to talk about our next book, uh, but I don't have any ideas right now. I don't really have any ideas either. I just wanted to say very quickly, Ben Bova must be getting older. It's Dr. Ben Bova. I think he has a Ph.D. in aeroscience something, but he must be in his 80s. I wonder if he'll be able to finish all of his Grand Tours uh, series before he um, flies away to another universe, shall we say. Well, I've been focusing on uh, stuff on Bookshare. There's Open Road Publishers and there's Orion Publishers. Orion, as I mentioned in our club, um, newsletter, not newsletter, but stuff I send out to the club um, email list. Um, they're trying to resurrect a lot of old science fiction. I think they're based in England. I may be wrong about that. But the only thing I've been looking at lately is intergalactic. I haven't heard the movie yet, although I just grabbed it this evening. And the novelization is by Greg Keyes, K-E-Y-E-S, and it's on Bookshare. It's not on Bard. Bard has the book about the science that Intergalactic is supposedly based on, but I, I haven't read the book. I don't even know if it's even qualified by us fans, if it would be qualified as science fiction. I'm thinking it might just be a suspense story with a little bit of, science fiction stuff attached to it. I don't know. Um, sometimes these popular movies tend to be like that. Other than that, I've just been reading a lot of other stuff, so it's not science fiction, so I have no ideas this month except to go into our our list of favorites and dig around in there, and I have all that written in Braille, so I could take a quick look and see if that brings back any memories. I'm not necessarily suggesting this for next time, but have you all read, I, I'm, am I the only one that's never read the Foundation series? Because I saw an email on the DB review list from someone who posted that all seven of those books are now on Bard. Uh, I've read some of them. I read one of the newer ones, but then I gave it up. Um, but um, yeah, jo um, Jack Fox has reread all three of the original Foundation novels, and they're all in one volume. It's like 22 hours. Uh, just went up on Bard last week, I think. It's a brand new recording of the first three Foundation books from the 40s, which were actually... It's, it's ironic, or well, not ironic, but it's, it's interesting. These all are in one volume. The original Foundation short stories were collected into a book, and now the books are collected into a volume. So... Um, there's just a consolidation upon consolidation. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure he does a great job with them. I'd be willing to read it. I enjoyed it when I read it. I read it so long ago that I'd be willing to reread that. I was, I tried to read Foundation. I even tried to start from the beginning. I was bored to death. It was just too much politics, so I gave up. I'm looking at Evan's list, and I'm seeing... Um, Star Maker by Olaf Stapleton. 
and that looks like a possibility. It's, I think it's on Bookshare. I think I have an audible recording of it. I don't have, I don't think it's on Bard, though. It might, there might be an old cassette version of it somewhere on Bard. Uh, not on Bard, but on cassette. But I'm guessing. I tried to read that foundation, and I read the first... Pardon the horn. I hope you guys can't hear that. Um, I read the first, I think, two or three books. Ah, Mary, I have to agree with you. It was boring. And I really like Isaac, because Isaac Asimov wrote, writes that, doesn't he? Or didn't he? Doesn't he? And I, you know, I love Isaac Asimov, but that is, I just, mm, that's the only one of his I just could not get into. I agree. They're that's been my experience with the first three books, too. Although the other, the newer ones, the ones that he wrote, like, I'm not even sure when he wrote them, but a lot later on, are quite a bit better. And, in fact, at least one or two of them I remember very clearly and, and enjoyed them quite a lot. I wouldn't recommend Star Maker because there are no characters in it. It's basically a story about a guy who leaves the earth as a disembodied viewpoint and he gradually joins with another uh, with other aliens along and he explores different planets and the scale just gets bigger and bigger uh until we meet uh, the the you know the spirit you know the community becomes the galaxy and it just gets bigger and bigger but there's no plot or story or characters it's it's just a um it's a, it's a story, but it's not a story with plots and characters or anything. It's a, a fabulous book. It's a classic, but it's not the kind of book that, I don't know, a lot of people would want to read it. But um, I'm just telling you, if you want to read it, you will, don't expect a, you know. But but it's incredibly imaginative, and he's got, he's, but if, if you're looking at my favorites list, Mary, The White Mountains is on there, and I just got that from Bookshare, uh, a couple weeks ago, and um, it's a juvenile, but it's one of my fa- it's on my favorites list for a reason. Um, it's a story about a hundred, well, maybe about a hundred years from now, about the an alien invasion uh, that was successful, and this guy and his friend, well, they weren't friends at the beginning, but and they travel across England to, and they go through France, and they uh, were recruited to create in a resistance army against uh, the aliens, and they don't even know who the aliens are. They just see their tripods, their giant metal machines, and they cap people at the age of 14 or 15, and so they mentally control them. Um, it's a great book. I, I'm going to read it at some point in the not-too-distant future. It's the first book of a trilogy, and then he wrote a prequel describing the actual invasion itself. But um, that's on there, and it's, but it's very short. It's not on Bard. Uh, Andy Chappelle read it. I wish they'd put that version up on Bard. That would bring back memories. But Deb, uh, Deb you have, we, would you have a suggestion? I don't remember reading a book that you've suggested for the group. It has been so long since I've been very involved in science fiction, I don't really feel like I have any suggestions. Um, I I mean, I have some old favorites, but I can't really think of anything in particular. I I love Ursula Le Guin. You can hardly not read something by her that I would enjoy, and that's not true. There are some things. Um, I also, I like Kate Wilhelm. Um, there's a book called Juniper Time, but I have no idea if you could even find it anywhere. I read that so long ago it was before I couldn't see well enough to read it as a book. So, I mean, you know, we're talking, um, I kind of dropped out of science fiction almost completely for many years. You know, I just finished a book by uh, James Rotland. <laughs> you, you wouldn't think he'd write anything science fiction. I don't know if you would consider it science fiction. I think it's called The Sixth Extinction. And it has some very in, some very interesting concepts that he uses, and uh, it's based on a lot of science. It might be something you might want to consider. What's it called? Old? I think it's called the Sixth Extinction, if I, if I remember correctly. Well, thanks for all the info on the Foundation series. I might move that a little farther down on my list. What's the Sixth Extinction about? It has to do with it, with with this 
manufactured plague uh, that wants to, you know, that want, they want to destroy the world and, 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 and advance evolution uh, into, into, you know, and sort of uh, make a new earth out of, out of uh, with new species and everything. And it, it, it's, it's quite a bit of adventure. Uh, takes place in, in partly in the Amazon, partly in Antarctica with this hidden world uh, under the ice and also in California where, where the plague was, it, it got out of hand and escaped and it started to destroy um, life around the base. So it certainly has elements of science fiction in it. Uh, if I remember correctly the title, um, I can go and get it quickly. I have it on my Bookport Plus. And there was also another book that I think Mary mentioned during the month that a friend of mine, Maria Campbell, who is on our list, although hasn't come to our meetings, she read it on Bookshare, and I can't remember the name of it, but she said it was very good. I think I downloaded it onto my Victor Reader stream, so I could look for that title, too, if you have a couple minutes. The only one I can think of that I hadn't brought up is the book of Strange New Things, and that was that came on the Bard. I'd recommended the Bard version of that because it's it's done fairly well and it's from a commercial version of the book. It's not a book about or for Christians, but it's about a pastor who goes to a planet and is kind of torn between his work on the planet with aliens and it's going back home to Earth, which is slowly being destroyed, and his wife is writing all these letters to him about things falling apart and banks collapsing and all that. That's the only one I can think of that I haven't mentioned here. Um, it's it's all right. I mean, it's about 19 hours. I think it could have cut out about two-thirds of it, but anyway. But I'm kind of voting for the White Mountains because I've been trying to read that for years, and I like John Christopher generally. Um, and all the books, uh, most of the books that he wrote are on Bard, but the White Mountains is just on Bookshare, although I think I've got an audible version of it. You mentioned when you were describing the White Mountains tripods. Is this part of that tripods story that was like a BBC production and it's been radio show and stuff like that? Yep, but I haven't heard that. I would like to hear it. Um, yes, it is. I'm sure I've heard of that. Uh, yeah, that's the first part of the trilogy and then the second part is the City of Golden Lead where they go actually to the city and they find out who the aliens really are. And I'm not going to spoil it. Uh, and then the third book is The Pool of Fire in which they uh, try to beat off the alien invasion, and I ain't going to spoil that one either. But the White Mountains is left, you don't really know at the end who the aliens really are. Are they the machines, or are they the machines just vehicles for other aliens? They never figure that out. But it's very, you know, you see all, you know, that book, it's one, It's on my favorites list because it, it changed my, you know, I probably shouldn't talk about this, but it changed my view of my own civilization because you see all these ruins about and and life is real primitive for the people in you know the future after the you know the tripods come and put caps on everyone everybody's mellow and docile and and um and you see all these massive ruins and strange devices and they don't know how they work but we know what they are and it's just i never have lost the uh feeling that that book gave me about my own civilization and how how you know miraculous it would seem to people in other you know more primitive environments uh so that's why it's on my favorites list because it changed my view which good science fiction often does the white mountains is not on bard though does everybody have bookshare that would be my only issue yeah, I don't know. That's been an issue, though, that I've been wanting to bring up. And, you know, um, Bookshare has about 339,000 books now, and Bard has what, something like 46,000. Um, we're looking at eight times the number of books on Bookshare than is on Bard. And even if you cut out a few that have quality problems, which some of the older SF does, um that's still a great many more books to choose from than Bard has. And Bard is, and frankly, I think Bard is, is jipping us on science fiction. They put up some lately, but most of them 
or young adult books, which this one is, but a lot of these newer ones are you know dystopian and um, right and but um, I, I think we need to try to not you know limit ourselves to Bard if we don't have to because it's just it's just a lot of great SF out there that isn't uh, isn't on Bard and who knows may never be on Bard. I don't have Bookshare right now. I just let my subscription lapse inadvertently. Um, but I would also probably end up getting it from Audible if I got it, since somebody said they had a copy of it that way. Well, I'm not that sure if I've got an Audible copy. I might have looked on Audible at some point. I'm not sure if it's on there. Um, but I know I got it from Bookshare. And I've been trying to read that series for so long. <laughs> um the rest of the series, ironically, is on Bard, because I remember seeing the second and third books, and then the, I think there's a prequel. Um, but the White Mountains hasn't made it to Bard yet, which is kind of sad, but that's the way NLS does things these days. So I don't know. Um, that's the one I'm leaning toward, but my goodness, if somebody in the group doesn't have Bookshare, it's not really fair. But uh, I think Evan has a good point, though. Um, there's a lot of stuff, and especially since some of these publishers are, are putting stuff up there regularly. And uh, I mentioned two of them a little earlier in the meeting. So anyway, we're still kind of open as to what are we going to do. Well, I'm okay with doing the the book that is on Bookshare, and if it isn't available on Audible, I'm not going to die. I can probably get back in and get and get a copy of it from Bookshare before the end of the month. I just am a little bit concerned about it. I don't think it took me that long to get going when I signed up for it. If you were already signed up for it and you re-sign up, you don't have to. Um, you don't have to do what you did before. And if you do, I can't. Maybe you do. Maybe you should, don't quote me, but I don't think you do, because um, my subscription lapped only because I didn't know it was up and all of a sudden I was trying to get a book and voila I couldn't get one I'm like hey wait <laughs> you you guys used to email us and it didn't I just found out like that and I was very unhappy um but putting all that aside David do you have book share or no I'd hate to exclude someone from reading a book especially science fiction this is my favorite book club group and I'm sure it's a lot of our favorite uh, I do have Bookshare, and I was going to say, it seems like the book of new things was read on some book group somewhere, because I, I don't know why, but I'm thinking I heard a discussion about it somewhere. Was it here, by any chance? And I missed one? I, I was thinking the same thing, David. There was either World of Books or Novel Ideas discussed. It seems like it was a similar book, but it had plants instead of tripods. I, I don't remember the title of that book, but it was... Uh, it seemed like it was British, and it was also a similar theme, at least in my mind. Um, I do have Bookshare. I better, since they don't email you, I better check and make sure I haven't lapsed either because it's got to be getting close. I rarely use Bookshare. I think I've had it a year and read two books off of it. I, I don't tend to like Bookshare as well. I think it's harder to find stuff. You do a search, and you get what you want plus 50 other things that you have no idea why they showed up in your search. And, and I'm pretty good with searches too, so I don't think it's me. And I don't like the narration as well. But I'm perfectly happy to read a book on Bookshare. I haven't minded the ones I've read. Well, if we want to do the Bard thing, we could do the strange new things. And I I don't, if it was, I don't think we just, I know we didn't read that book here. I think, I know that Mary discussed it. I think it was two months ago maybe or last month on the list as well as in the book club. You're uh, thinking of the Day of the Triffids, John Wyndham's book. That was the plants invading Earth. That was a, yeah, he was a British, he wrote some of those disaster British science fiction. He wrote the Crake and Wakes, uh, Out of the Deeps, that was the American title about another alien invasion. And he wrote um, 
the chrysalids, which the American title was Rebirth. That was a good one. Um, and if Tor starts giving books to Bookshare, you're really going to see a, a huge bump in the science fiction publishing because that's where I'm getting some of the science fiction books that I put up on Bookshare. And, and they're one of the holdouts that isn't giving Bookshare yet. But if they do, then you're going to really... But if you want a barred book, um, you know, uh, none of you uh, except Mary has started... Um, Ventus yet, I highly recommend it. Lelia. Um, <laughs> uh, so if you haven't read it, but it's pretty long. It's 20 hour, 21 or 22 or so. It might be a little long for this month, but uh, if you guys want a bard book, I highly, highly recommend what it. What is Ventus about? Uh, that's the one about the guy who is on the world that has the winds and all the stuff is... Um, and there are these agents who uh, come to the planet who are looking for a part of an AI that was uh, extinguished, but there's a part of him that will resurrect it if uh, he escapes. Uh, it's really, really good. Um, I might put it on my favorites list if it's still as good in a year or two. I always wait, you know, for a while to see. The guy on the, in the wind. Well, they're they're called winds. They're actually they're, the the planet has winds. They're called winds, but they're actually intelligent. They, they the whole planet is is like nanotech, and it's like everything is intelligent. And so, but there's a little conflict between some of the winds and some of the other um, beings on the planet. But there's a a guy who's coming, who was dropped on the planet by 3340, an AI who was extinguished, they thought, but he's got a, what they call a resurrection seed in him, and if he develops it, he can resurrect the, uh, this superintelligence on Ventus, and so there's some agents who want to stop him, but um, the main character is someone who can speak to the winds, and most of the inhabitants can't. He can talk to you know, the, the AIs who live on Ventus, and so it's really uh, good. And if you haven't read, um, if you read Ventus and you like it, then you can read Lady of Mazes, which is on Bookshare, but isn't on Bard, uh, isn't even on cassette. Anyway, that's a possibility you might want to consider. But as I say, it's pretty long. I, uh, I'm, I downloaded Ventus and I have it sitting there, but I haven't been able to get up the gumption yet to start it. So that might be okay. Um, as far as that, the book of strange new things or whatever it is, I think that two different people maybe reviewed it on DB Review. Maybe that's what somebody was thinking about because I don't remember seeing any kind of a book discussion group that was going to talk about it. Yeah, it was the Triffids I was thinking of, Evan. Thank you. Um, and that was a really good book. I don't want to discourage us from reading a bookshare book. I'm perfectly happy to do that. And I've been wanting to read that Tripods trilogy for a long time because I really like the BBC production that I heard a long time ago. So either the White Mountains or Ventus would be fine with me. I wanted to ask really quickly if Neil Stevenson's book, Rimdi, was science fiction. And he does have a new one out, Seven, 17 Neil or Seven Neil. I forget. It's a weird name. But I just wondered if Rimdi was science fiction and if anybody knew anything about it before I, you know, I'll, I'll obviously sign off after this and just I'll listen to the comments and whatever we decide is good with me. Evan, I did read that book and it was great. And when you said to read it, I waited and I finished what I was reading and I did read that book. Oh my goodness. Ah, that is a book you guys should read. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I think you'd like it. I do, I do. Uh, yeah, Ventus, I I kind of made it through the first couple of chapters and never got back to it, so I would vote for Ventus for next month, believe it or not. Because <laughs> that's one book I've been trying to get back into, and I kind of said, well, I don't know if I like it, but then it's been haunting me for months. So I think we should read it. Well, then, if you've read that, Leela, you should read Lady of Mazes. Get on Bookshare and read it, because uh, you'll like it, too. If you like Venice, you'll like Lady of Mazes, because it's 3340s in it, but he hasn't been beaten yet. So go get it. Um, you'll, you'll like it. Um, Reamed is huge. Uh, I think it's like 36 hours. Um, there's so much violence in it that he had to get at a ballistics expert to review... The, at least from what I heard, he had to get a ballistics expert to review all the 
bullets trajectories in his book. Um, it's 36 hours, I think. It's huge. I don't know that it's science fiction. It's very near term science fiction. I think it's about a video game. Um, this new one, though, sounds kind of interesting. I haven't been able to see any re- many reviews of it yet, but I am interested in looking at it at least. But I don't think we want to do reamed, um, and I don't think we have the time, at least not not until five-week you know, period. Not really and, and it's really borderline science fiction from what I've read about it. Now, Evan, if I read, just for the heck of it, if I read Lady of Mazes, will I get... Um, Will I get confused if I try and talk about Ventus? You know what I'm saying? Uh, no. You know how when you read a a, uh, a sequel to a, a series, a book, and... Because I don't want to... Like, if I read Lady of Mazes for this month, because I already read Venice, if I read that, I don't want to give anything away. You know what I mean, or am I making sense not? Oh, no. You won't be giving anything away. None of the characters in Lady of Mazes were in Ventus. And this is more... And, and it's in a different world. It's in the it's in the archipelago. Uh, since you read Venice, you know where that... Um, it's not in... It's on a completely different world with completely different characters. The only character they have in common is... Well, thirty-three forty, and he isn't even really in Ventus, except as, you know, as the... Um, Armitage, and he really isn't, you know. Um, I don't want to spoil that either. But no, I don't think you will, because none of the same characters are in it. It's a completely different setting. It's, you know, everybody's different. Um, so I don't believe so. So I vote for Ventus. I vote for it because I've been trying to get back into it. <laughs> I remember the first couple of chapters, but that's about it. Sounds good to me. Me too. Does anyone have the number available? I don't, but um, um, I can get it, or Mary, one of us can get it. It's on Bookshare. I read through it, and someone else read through it. So you should be love. Should be high quality, and it's on Bard. Martha Harmon Pardee reads that also, if I remember correctly. I haven't read the Bard version actually. I read the version I scanned. Well, the number is going to come out on the announcement in a day or two anyway, so you can look for it. Without the book number, just instead of typing a book number, type V-E-N-T-I-C-E, like uh, Venetia <laughs> or something. Ventus. No, it's V-E-N-T-U-S. Sorry about that. If you hold on, I'm on board right now. I can get the number. I'm glad you guys spelled it because I was guessing V-E-N-T-I-S. All right. Well, I think we've got a consensus for next month then, and I will, uh, and it's getting late, so I'm going to say that our next meeting will be on June 11th, 2015 at 9 p.m. Eastern, and we are going to read Ventus by Carl Schroeder. So I hope to see a lot of people here next month to talk about this big, wonderful book.